The passage we're looking at today is Mark chapter 10, and we're starting at verse 32, and this is on page 1015 of the Bibles in the Seats. So Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 32. They were on their way up to Jerusalem, with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Thanks, Sarah, for reading. Um, If you could ask Jesus to give you one thing, I wonder what you would ask. If you could ask Jesus to give you one thing, what would you ask? The disciples in our passage, they get to do that very thing. They get to come to Jesus and ask him for something that they want. Let's have a look at what that is. In verse 35, they come to Jesus and they say, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And so Jesus says, well, well, what do you want me to do for you? And they replied, let us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. James and John, two of Jesus' disciples, Ask Jesus to give them the very highest places in heaven, right there next to Jesus himself. 
So that when, when we get to heaven, we'll, we might be able to look up at them and say, say, look how great James and John must have been. That they get to sit there right next to Jesus. They want greatness. They want power. They want to sit on thrones next to Jesus. Well, you might as well ask. You've got Jesus right in front of you. And you know what Jesus has literally just been telling them? How he's not going to be around much longer. So they take the opportunity to ask for this whilst they can. What does Jesus exactly say um, before this? Down in verse 32. Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We're going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Jesus is going to be mocked. He's going to be spat on. He's going to be flogged and killed. Are James and John seriously responding to this news by asking that Jesus gives them the great highest places in heaven right next to Jesus himself? Jesus is going to be killed and all they can respond with is, give me greatness. Give me power. See, I think they and we this morning need to see who we're following and how we're to follow. Let's ask for God's help as we look at these things together. Father, we thank you for your words. We pray, please, that we would learn just who we're following this morning and how we're to follow. Amen. So firstly, how do we follow? No, who do we follow? Uh, And the short answer is Jesus. We're following Jesus. Uh, And they totally get, James and John totally get that they're following Jesus. They they totally get that Jesus is God, that Jesus is is going back to glory. They ask for the, the highest seats in his glory. But they don't get kind of how we're to follow him. They, they, they don't get how he came when he came to earth. Like, he came down in great glory. We know the story of Jesus. Jesus came down from his throne of glory to be born in a manger in a stable in Bethlehem to a young girl named Mary. And Jesus shows here in this passage how he's treading the pathway not to a great throne or or a great palace, but the pathway to a cross. A few weeks ago, I was running the Brighton Half Marathon. And when you sign up to run a half marathon, um, I I didn't know this, but you have to select kind of what what sort of time do you think you're going to get? And this was, this was quite stressful for me. I was, 
looking at the options, and I saw the first one, sub one hour 20. I, I suddenly had my eyes on glory. Uh, I, could, I could win this thing. I could select this, uh, and I could train really hard, at, and maybe, maybe I'd finish first in the Brighton Half Marathon. Wouldn't that be great? But then I thought I should probably be realistic, knowing me and knowing how I run and knowing the time that I had to prepare. So I went for more like two hours. I could run for glory, or I could run at a pace that, that probably not, not many people will, will particularly care about or, or notice, unless you're Nigel Sargedine, who, who very much did notice. Um, Jesus, Jesus didn't come to choose the pathway of glory in this world. He didn't come to, to choose to, and um, choose to be the, the most handsome man on the, on the front of lots of magazines, to, to have the most followers on Instagram, to live in great wealth and luxury. That'll come later when he's back in heavenly glory. But no, here on earth, he, he came to choose the pathway to a cross. He chose to be mocked, spat on flogged, killed. Jesus, the great ruler of all things, chose to be handed over to the chief priests and teachers of the law to be condemned to death on a cruel wooden cross. And so that's why he says to James and John, you just don't know what you're asking. Jesus continues in his conversation with them, and he talks about cups and baptism. What what does he say? Uh, Down in verse 38, he says, Can you drink the cup I drink, or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? Why is he talking about this? He, He talks about the cup. The cup which represents God's, God's anger, God's wrath upon sin that Jesus would face on the cross. And he talks about baptism, a kind of symbol of, of God's judgment being um, poured over him, that, that he would kind of go under in death, uh, and then he'll, he'll rise again out of those waters of, of judgment. And he asked them a question which, which I really think is a rhetorical question. Can, can you face this cup and baptism that I'm gonna face? And James and John reply, yeah, of course we can. Bring it on. They probably thought that the cup was, was wine, that their drink of the great feast in heaven there in those great seats next to Jesus. They probably thought the baptism was, was a kind of some sort of ceremonial washing to, to prepare themselves ready for this, this great feast, ready for these thrones that they're going to sit on. Their eyes are still on greatness, on, on status, or on power. And maybe that's where our eyes are set on tea. Like we're, we're following Jesus, but we forget that the symbol of Christianity is a cross. 
We're very comfortable living in, in Hove. Life's quite pleasant, really. We've taken our eyes off of what, what Jesus came to do and, and how he calls us to follow. But Jesus' eyes are fixed firmly on the cross. We are heading towards Jerusalem, guys, he's telling them. I'm going to that cross. And Jesus does tell James and John that they will endure this cup and baptism. Not, not in the way Jesus does on the cross, but in the future as they suffer for following Jesus here on earth. But they don't get that right now. Jesus says, in this most wonderful verse, in verse 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. This is who we follow. The one who came not to be served, but to serve and give his life up to save us. The one who was condemned to death, beaten, mocked, spat on, killed for us. And it's so good this morning that we're going to get to share in communion. As we take, as we see and take and taste the bread uh, and wine, such visible reminders to us of what Jesus has done, of how he has served us. Who do we follow? We follow Jesus, the servant king who calls us now to follow him. So secondly, how, how do we follow The answer to the question that I asked you at the beginning, if you could ask Jesus to give you one thing, what would it be? I reckon we're going to answer it in one of two ways this morning. We're either going to answer it in a kind of James and John way. Give me a throne. Give me greatness, Jesus. Give me good status. And it's not just James and John that want that. The other disciples do as well. Verse 41. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. They were cross with them. Not because they shouldn't be asking that, but because they wish they thought of that too. They, they want to be sitting on those two seats next to Jesus. And, but James and John have got their first. So we're either going to ask for greatness, or, or we'll answer it in a more Jesus way. We'll say, Lord, help me be a servant. So it's give me a throne or help me be a servant. Let's hear what Jesus has to say on, on all of this. Verse 42. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of, of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. 
He says, you know the way the world works. You know how people love power and position. They, they lord it over themselves. Right now in our world, we're, we're seeing a, a leader who's desiring to grab after as much land to rule over it and will do anything he can to get it. Thirsty for greatness. Leaders in our world, they want, they grab after greatness. People love power. But leaders rise and leaders fall. Kingdoms come and kingdoms go. But but Jesus is a great ruler, but in a different way. Who's kind of ruling over a sort of upside down kingdom where the path to greatness is completely different. It's a kingdom that will last forever. And so things in Jesus' kingdom are a bit different. And so he says to his disciples, not so with you. He says to his disciples, don't seek after a throne, guys. Don't seek after greatness. Come follow me. And to do that, you need to be a servant. Verse 43, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. A servant, someone whose interest is directed towards others, not self. Someone who loves others and is willing to lay down their life for them. For that's the way of Jesus. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I was reading the story of someone the other day. Someone who was born on September the 3rd, 1847, just a few miles north of here in Hurstford Point. His family owned a department store in Brighton, which he went on to work for. A few years later, he trained for Church of England ministry in Oxford. And in 1875, he became the curate in charge at St. George's Church in Hurstford Point. A few years later, he felt a call to leave home and be a missionary in Uganda with the Church Missionary Society. After a little while there, he had to return home briefly because of ill health, but he was able to go back again and was made the first bishop of Eastern Equatorial Africa. His last exhibition, expedition even, was into Maasai territory with a group of about 200 people. They left in July. Uh, and then by the time October came, he and about 50 others decided to, to take a route to, to go and visit missionaries in Uganda. About 10 days later, his party was ambushed. And he wrote in a journal to tell us what happened next. He said, suddenly about uh, 20 ruffians set upon us. They violently threw me to the ground 
and stripped me of all valuables. Thinking they were robbers, I shouted for help when they forced me up and hurried me away to throw me down a precipice. I shouted again. They were threatening to kill me. Twice I nearly broke away from them and then grew grew faint. I was struggling and was dragged by the legs over the ground. In spite of all this and feeling I was being dragged away to be murdered at, at a distance, I sang safe in the arms of Jesus and laughed at the very agony of my situation. My clothes were torn to pieces so that I was exposed, wet through with being dragged on the ground, strained in every limb, and for a whole hour was expecting to die. They came to a hut. He was there for eight days, and then he was killed, aged just 38. He knew what it was to follow Jesus, his servant, saviour. He knew that it may even involve his life ending. And that was part of the story of Bishop James Hannington. And this morning, we're sitting in Bishop Hannington Memorial Church. A church named after a guy who got this. Who got that following Jesus involved being a servant. And James and John, they they got it too in the end. They saw Jesus die. And they spent their lives following Jesus. John wrote later in the New Testament these words. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters too. That's the way Jesus went. It's the way John went. It's the way the man who this church is named after went. So Bishop Hannington Church, how how are we going to serve? For some of us, maybe it will mean we need to go and have a chat with Ben or or one of the other leaders here and just say, how? Where can I be serving? For others of us, maybe it it means we are going to pick up one of those invitations to the Jonathan Aitken event. We're going to give it to a, a, a neighbor, a colleague, a friend. And that may feel risky. May feel like we're risking a lot doing that. But, but actually Jesus calls us to be a servant. And it may actually mean the start of someone coming to find salvation from this servant saviour, Jesus too. And for others of us, we've seen this morning that we're a bit like James and, and John in this passage. We're living life loving ourselves, chasing after greatness, greatness that this world promises. And we don't have any particular desire to love others. 
And so actually, we need to come to Jesus. And we need to ask for his forgiveness. The one who's given his very life to save us.